If you've been coming to the chapel for any length of time, you've probably heard us talk about our philosophy of missions in terms of personal, local, and global missions. And that is one of the global missions that we're supporting, the village in, in Burundi. Remarkable things are happening there. People are coming to know the Lord. It's, it's truly special. We're also involved in some other global missions around the world, such as uh, uh, in, in uh, India and in, in Haiti, we're involved with things. But then many of you were involved with things in, in our local ministries too. Like, like last week or two weeks ago, you served in Love Norwalk. That, that time when we come together as churches in Norwalk to love the people of this community, to provide some basic needs for them, to share Christ with them. All of those things happen right here in our town and in our and in our county, we're also involved in other local ministries like ACT, uh, Answering the Call Together. We're involved with, with Abigail Pregnancy Center, among many, many other ministries right here in our community that we're involved with. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we're also called to, to share our faith with people uh, and minister to people that we're personally placed around. The, those people in our, in our workplaces, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. You know, I can't honestly imagine where I would be in my life if somebody hadn't told me about Jesus. Who knows where I would be? And I wonder if you're here this morning and, and, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and I wonder if you can imagine in your life, what if that teacher or that friend or that coworker never shared with me? What, how would things look different for you? Because sharing our faith, it's not just a, a good suggestion. In fact, Luke records these words from Jesus in the first chapter of Acts. And Jesus says this, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What Luke's here is describing is our responsibility to share Christ with people globally, locally, and personally. And this brings us to uh, the next spiritual habit that we're going to be looking at today, the habit of sharing our faith. And to be honest with you, I'm being totally honest, this is both critically important, but also, I think, one of the most difficult habits that we've discussed yet. Because as we've, as we've talked about the habit of prayer, and we've talked about the habit of fasting, and the habit of meditating on scriptures, I find those habits much easier to do. Because I can do those habits from the privacy of my own home. I've shared this with you before, but I'm a pretty extreme introvert. And, and I, I, I struggle. Uh, and, and so I enjoy solitude. And I enjoy spending quiet time with the Lord. I enjoy those moments where I have to be at home by myself, meditating on scripture on the couch in my jammies with a hot cup of coffee. That is a great morning for me. But these 
these things here, they, they, they don't require me to be social. They don't require me to extend energy uh, to talk to people. It's safe for me. I like that. But sharing our faith, this takes it to a completely different place. I, now I have to speak up. I have to come out of my comfort zone. I have to put myself out there. And I'm sure someone's thinking, but aren't you a pastor? You're supposed to be good at this. You're supposed to come, it's supposed to come easy for you. And I tell you, that's not true. Because when it comes to sharing our faith, we all face barriers. We all have those things in our lives that get in the way from us sharing our faith. And maybe you can relate to these, but, but uh, there was a poll taken from an adult Bible fellowship class at a church in which these uh, church attenders identified four of the main reasons that they have trouble sharing their faith. Some of the four barriers, we'll call them, to sharing your faith. And you may not face all of these barriers, but I wonder if maybe one or, or two of the four would be present for you. So let's take a look at these barriers they identified. The first of the four of, of, of sharing our faith is simply this. There are time restraints. We're busy. We're all busy. In fact, I looked at my week this week coming up, and between my schedule and my family's schedule, every single night is full. We have rehearsals, we have football games, we have practices, we have meetings, we have stuff every single night. We're busy people. And then I found, I caught myself thinking this. Once my girls get a little bit older, I'll have more time. Not true. Now that my girls are older, we have no more time. And so then I caught myself thinking, once my girls are out of the house, we'll have more time. But I know I've talked to a lot of you that said that is not true. You won't have more time once they're gone. And so then I think, well, we'll retire. We'll have more time when we retire. And I know that's not true because I see Bill Booth running around this building all the time. He is busier now, I think, than probably when he was working. There's, there's no time. We're all busy. That can be the first barrier to sharing our faith. The second one is this. Apathy. It's simple apathy. It's, it's, it's that, that I don't really care what other people think. You know, I, I don't have a great incentive to sharing my faith with others. They, that's their decision to live how they want to live. That is their problem. They can believe what they want to believe. They can do what they want to do. They can think what they want to think. As long as that doesn't bother me, as long as I'm good, that's all that matters. That's apathy. It's a barrier. The third barrier they identified was this, the lack of knowledge. Maybe you felt this one. That feeling of, I'm not qualified to share my faith. I don't have a Bible degree. I never went to seminary. I didn't go to Bible school. I don't know theology. What if they ask me questions I don't know? What if I don't know the answers? I don't want to seem stupid. I don't want to do more damage than good. Maybe you felt that. I just don't know if I have the knowledge to share my faith. But then there's a fourth barrier that comes up, and it's this. The need for approval or fear. 
that, that feeling of, I don't want to upset my friends. I don't want my coworkers to not like me or to think that I'm weird. Will I come across as pushy? Will I come across as judgmental? Will I be rejected? What if I mess it up and say something wrong? What if I'm laughed at? And maybe there's even this feeling of, of shame for what I believe. Shame. I know that people feel shame for what they believe. Otherwise, Paul would have never had to write, written in Romans, that for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that he had to write that verse tells me people feel shame for what they believe. The need for approval and fear can be a barrier. These are just four barriers. I know there's I know there's many, many more that, that may be out there that prevent us from sharing our faith with others. So today, I just want to take a look at a story together. This story is in the book of Acts, and it's where Paul is a follower of Jesus Christ. He's presented with this opportunity to share his faith with a group of men and women in Athens, and this is a time and this is a place where I would think every single one of these four barriers would have potentially derailed Paul from being able to share his faith. But the way he navigates it, the way he navigates these barriers one at a time is impressive. It's masterful. It gives us something to learn from today, years later. And so I want to begin by reading this story in its entirety. It's about 18 verses long, so hang in with me as we do this. But I want to get a clear picture of the entire story of what's happening. So let's read this together. It starts in Acts 17, verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them, that is Silas and Timothy, his companions, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Though he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Ah, uh, Frank, there, thanks. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. He said, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. And this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose 
was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. And, you, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. And when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. It's amazing to me that the people of Athens at this time had so many similarities to the culture that we live in today. Athens was a a wealthy city. They took pride in in their education, they took pride in their philosophy, they took pride in all those things, and, and, and they accepted and they worshipped many, many gods. They had this attitude of inclusion, of, of tolerance. They were open to hearing other people's beliefs. They welcomed that. They wanted to learn more about those things. And so Paul here, he's, he's waiting for his friends Silas and Timothy to arrive. And as he's doing that, he begins sharing his faith. Well, some of the people in the public square, they, they, they began to hear him share his faith. And so they thought it would be a good idea to take Paul to talk to the high council of the city to share all the things that he had been preaching. I think, what an incredible opportunity for Paul to share his faith. What an, what an incredible opportunity he has. I would have been freaking out. I would have been thinking, oh my goodness, I have to share my faith in front of all these people. All those barriers that we discussed would have been rushing through my brain. I, I wouldn't have been able to rest. And yet Paul navigates this with such mastery. He disarms each of those barriers one by one in such a way that, that we can learn from this today. And so I, I, I picked out just three ways that Paul... Uh, disarms these barriers that I want to look at today. And the first way that Paul disarms these barriers is with this, is that Paul recognized that sharing his faith, it begins with compassion. It, it, It begins with compassion. The first thing we notice is Paul's heart and his care for these people. Paul was not apathetic. It, it, It was quite the opposite. I mean, look at this verse in Acts 17. The very first verse we read said, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Deeply troubled. This word, troubled, literally means that he had a violent emotion. That that he became so upset, 
so emotional at what he was seeing from this city and from these people that a deep anger and grief came over him. He could see that, that all these people were brilliant, they were intelligent, they were, they were wise, and yet they were blind. Although they, they worshipped many, many gods, they failed to see the one true God, and that caused Paul to lose it emotionally. He couldn't keep it inside anymore. Here he is in a city full of, of philosophers like Plato and Socrates, and yet their wisdom meant nothing to Paul. Instead, he only could see a group of men and women in need of a Savior, a desperate need of a Savior. Sharing our faith, it begins with compassion. It begins with our heart and our care for people above all else. In fact, uh, I read this this quote today by, or this uh, week by a professor, and I loved what he had to say. He, he put it this way, we preach Christ not because Christianity is merely a superior philosophy or worldview, nor because we've been smart enough to embrace the gospel. We preach Christ because we have met a Savior. When you've come in contact with this Savior, when he has changed your life, it is impossible to keep that to yourself. It is impossible to keep quiet about what we've experienced and continue to experience. And Paul here, he couldn't keep the good news of Jesus to himself. And he was zealous enough to do something. I almost, I almost didn't want to use that word zealous, though. Because when we hear that word zealous, I think oftentimes it comes with it some, some negative reactions from people. We've all met people who are zealous to the point of what? Being pushy, to the point of being insensitive, to the point of being overbearing. And maybe you're here today and you're still you're still wrestling and still processing through exploring your faith in Christ. Maybe you're, 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 just, still, you're just still here exploring. And I wonder if you've ever, in those exploring, if you've ever come across those people, those overzealous people that have made you feel uncomfortable, that have made you feel defensive, judged, pushed. I know I have. And this is not the way Paul shared his faith. This isn't the way we're to share our faith. It wasn't Paul's need to win an argument. It wasn't Paul's need to be right that led him to be zealous. It was his compassion and his care and his heart for the people of Athens that led him to be zealous. But there can be damage done the other direction, too. There are many times that we can be compassionate, but we have no zeal. And that can be equally as damaging. Let me, let me, let me prove it. I become very compassionate when I see commercials on TV of hungry children or starving animals, neglected people, 
You hear that Sarah McLaughlin song playing in the background, in the arms of the angel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, compassion. But if I'm not zealous, I'm not moved to action. I don't do anything about it. That's compassion without zeal. Compassion without zeal leads to apathy. Zeal without compassion leads to rejection. That's really good. Compassion without zeal leads to apathy. Zeal without compassion leads to rejection. Paul here, he had the correct formula. His compassion for people and his zeal for Jesus led him to share his faith that day with the people of Athens in a powerful way. So let me ask you this question. Does the lostness of people move you to compassion? And does your love for Jesus move you to be zealous or has apathy become a barrier? that's prevented you from sharing your faith. Paul broke down a second barrier, though, and this is how he did it. He, Paul, knew that sharing our faith requires acceptance and appreciation. Now, hear me on this one, because this is the most challenging one, I think. Paul masterfully did this, and we would all benefit from learning how he, he did this, not only in sharing our faith with people who are different than us, but just having everyday discussions and conversations with people who are different than us, who think differently and believe differently than us. Paul showed acceptance and appreciation to the followers or to the philosophers of Athens. I admit This is something I think we, as Christians, struggle with, including myself, accepting people with different beliefs than me. Uh, In fact, let's just look at verse 22 and 3 again. In your own time this week, uh, if you want to look at verse 28, that one, is, uh, that one goes to, we just don't have time today. We're going to stick with 22 and 23. And this is what Paul says, or what, what he does. He says, so he's standing before the council, and he dressed them as follows. Listen. Men of Athens, he said, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God, and this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Can you hear what Paul does here? He shows them acceptance and appreciation by just One, having a willingness to stand in their midst. He's willing to surround himself with people who believe and think and have different opinions and thoughts than he does. He's willing to put himself in that position. Now, don't don't misunderstand me, please. Acceptance is not the compromise of spiritual beliefs. Acceptance is is not the approval of another person's actions 
or, or, or beliefs. This is not the approval. Acceptance is, however, the embrace of another person who's made in the image of God and has opinions that matter. That's acceptance. Don't confuse those things because it's only through acceptance that we can begin to build bridges with each other. And bridges are the beginning of any healthy relationship, one that is open and trusting. It's through acceptance. Paul also showed acceptance and appreciation by taking the time to to learn what the people of Athens believed and what they valued. He took time to, to care. He did his homework here. Appreciation means that, that there is always a way to affirm someone in their beliefs while not compromising your own. Please don't misunderstand that. Because Paul says, men of Athens, the first thing he says is, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. He didn't belittle them. He didn't tell them how stupid they were. He didn't try to convince them that they were wrong and he was right. He didn't mock them, laugh them, insult them. He did none of those things. He acknowledged their belief system. He acknowledged it. And as a result, a bridge was built. A bridge that allowed him to speak. That, that made the, the people of Athens open and trust him. He may not have had permission otherwise. And if we want communication and trust with people who are different than us and have different beliefs than us, then we must show them appreciation. So let me ask you this. Can you open your heart to accepting and appreciating those with different beliefs than you while not compromising your own? Or will your opinions and your judgment and your fear get in the way of you being able to share your faith? Sharing your faith requires acceptance and appreciation. Paul did that masterfully. But then he does this third thing. He knows that sharing your faith requires influence. I want to read verse 32 and 30 through 34 again. Listen to what Luke tells us here. He says, uh, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. I wonder if you pick up on what I'm feeling here. Here we have Paul. Paul is a great man of God. He is passionate about sharing his faith. He's preached all over. I expect that he communicates the gospel of Jesus Christ better than anyone you have ever met. I would think that when Paul shared his faith with those people, that, that everyone would just fall to their knees and believe. 
I want this story to end by saying, you know what? All the people of Athens that day believed and followed Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives. That's how I want this story to end, but it doesn't. Instead, what, how does the story end? It says, some people laughed at Paul. My need for approval would have kicked in. My need for approval would have kicked in and I would have shut down. I would have walked out of that room with my head down and it would have messed me up the rest of the week. I wouldn't have been able to stop thinking about it. I would have felt insecure. I would have felt foolish. I'm sure you have felt hurt and embarrassed from being laughed at before. I know you have because if you've gone to junior high, you've felt it. Everyone feels laughed at and embarrassed in junior high. But, but this, this, this barrier, this barrier causes us to close up. It causes us not to be able to share. Paul's laughed at here. However, he's given an incredible opportunity to share his faith here and influence those who are listening and as a result of, of this influence that he's had, you know what? Some people, they wanted to hear more. And not only did some people want to hear more, but there were some who actually believed that day and gave their lives to the Lord. Paul had compassion for the people and zeal for the Lord. He, had, he showed acceptance. He showed appreciation. And as a result of those things, he was able to influence some and change the trajectory of some people's life here on this earth and for all eternity. I'm going to tell you, never, never let the barrier of fear and the need for approval prevent you from having influence, even if that means only having influence of one. I want to tell you this too. I've had the opportunity to share my faith many times with many people, and I've been rejected many times by many people. So I want to tell you this, and this is coming from experience. Don't ever expect a unanimously positive response from sharing your faith. Don't ever expect that. If even just a few believe, it's worth it. If even just one believes, it's worth it. So let me ask you this question. Does your fear or your need for approval prevent you from sharing your faith? Would one changed life be worth it? Sharing your faith requires influence of just one. And it's so worth it. So we know we have barriers. We see how Paul masterfully navigates through these barriers when sharing his faith. So what does that mean for us? What are some next steps that we can take? Well, let me give us just a couple as we, as we leave today. Maybe 
a next step for you is this. Build the bridge. As simple as building a bridge. Listen, don't get wrapped up in winning an argument. I, I see this on social media all the time. Somebody posts something with a different belief than your own, and it's an instant fight. Game on. I got to prove my point. I have to prove that they're wrong. I have to tell them how stupid they are. I have to do these things. That is not building a bridge. Look, it is not our job to make people believe what we believe. It is not our job to belittle what they do believe. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to point them to a Savior. Our job is to point them to a Savior. The first step in building a bridge that's going to allow us to have openness and trust and allow somebody to actually want to hear what we have to say, that bridge is going to be built on appreciation and acceptance. Find those points that you can do that. Say, hey, I noticed here that you think this. Okay. Don't just insult them. Build the bridge. And maybe the second thing for us to do today is this. It's what Pastor Jay coined as my three. Who are your my three? That is three people in your life that maybe don't know Jesus that you can begin to pray for. I would write these three people's names down. Begin to pray for these three people on a regular basis every single day. And as you pray for them, begin to think of opportunities and ways that you could grow your relationship with them, that you could encourage them, uh, that, that you could be a better friend or co-worker to them. And, and as you do this, maybe, maybe you could encourage them to read a book that, that's impacted you or an article that's impacted you. Maybe you could encourage them to listen to a message that you heard that you thought was, that made a difference in your life and it might to them too. Or maybe you could begin to share your own story of your walk with Jesus with them. Maybe you could invite them to church, a cool new thing that the chapel's just doing this is hot off the press right here, is that we now have a podcast which has our messages on it. Before you had to go to our website or you had to go to our chapel app to download the weekend messages. Now you can go to your favorite podcast player, whether that's uh, iTunes or Spotify or whatever that is that you go to to download your podcast, you can search the chapel and find our podcast there. Maybe that's a way for you to share your faith with someone else. Who are your my three? Do you have enough compassion for people to make sharing your faith zealously for the Lord a powerful thing? Uh, maybe the next one that I'll give you is this. It's a simple, tell God's story, then let him work. Tell God's story and let him work. We influence the people that are around us, the people in our life. And, and I, sometimes I take it personally if someone doesn't want to listen or if someone doesn't want to believe. I want them to believe. I want them to listen. I want to be the Savior. 
But guess what? I can't save anybody. I can only point them to the Savior. And so I have to share what I can share. I have to share my story. I have to tell God's story. And then I trust God to work. I trust God to move in that life. I trust God to do the work of softening their heart and saving them. That's his job. My job is just to share. Last is this. Maybe you're here today and this all seems crazy to you. Maybe you're here and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus. In fact, maybe as you were hearing about the people uh, in Athens, you could relate a little bit. And you just, you're just not sure what you believe. Well, I want to tell you today, you have three choices. You can either laugh at me, you can want to hear more, or you can choose to believe. If you want to laugh at me, please don't do it in front of my face because I'm, really I'm really sensitive, it'll mess me up. Don't laugh at me. If it's either of the other two... Boy, there are people here that would love to talk with you. Uh, in the atrium are people with lanyards. Grab one of them. Uh, don't leave today without us being able to share more with you if that is the choice you make. And people in this room who are Christ followers, this habit is critical. We must share your faith with others. Will you stand? Let me close us with a benediction. This is a prayer from Paul. And this is, this is his prayer. He says, when I think of all this, I, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.